Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook, and it is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of business or in your passion. Before I bring on my amazing guest today, I always like to start with a marketing tip to get your week started and a self-care tip to keep your week going. Um, Marketing tip of the day. I've seen this come up a lot with business owners, and I think the key thing is, is like, there's always somebody that does what you do, but if you know your value and what you bring to the table, it will always be different. And this can kind of go with self-care too, just like working on ourselves. But I think the key, the really important thing is to know that like nobody is you and like that's your superpower. I love that quote. And I think we all are guilty when we're growing our business or growing personally or professionally, we compare, right, to other people. And the truth is at the end of the day, like the people that are meant to come into our spheres and circles are going to hire us, right? Like they're not going to go to the other people or if they do, they always come back to us at some point because they didn't get what they needed. So I think my advice in terms of marketing for that today is like really know your value and what you bring to the table and stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. Um, I kind of feel like this ties into self-care too, because I think it's really knowing like, like confidence, like knowing within like all your value and all you have to offer because what you have is special and nobody else has that, right? Like there's tons of marketing people. There's tons of podcasts you could be listening to right now, but you're listening here and I'm so grateful for that. And I think it's really important to just know, like know your strengths and it always helps you grow and it always comes full circle. So that's my marketing and self-care tip of the day, because if you show up as this person, you're going to attract your ideal customers, your ideal clients, your ideal followers. Like it's really knowing like there's nobody like you and it's okay. And it's okay that there are other people doing what you're doing, what you doing, because they're going to go to them for them, but they're going to come to you for you. So that's my inspiring tip of the day. Um, my amazing guest, I'm so excited to share with you. He is amazing. If you don't know him, now's the time to know him. We have the amazing Henry Weinreich, and I do a whole full introduction with him on the show. But if you don't know him, be sure to learn about him and tune in to this amazing episode. Sydney, Australia, and Boston, Massachusetts. We have this ongoing segment going on for years, and I can't wait for you to meet. If you haven't met him, this amazing author, TV host, social enterprise activist, and so much more. Stay tuned for the amazing Henry Weinreich. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. Welcome back to Becoming Next On Scene, everybody. I am so excited to be back here with the amazing Henry Weinreich. If you are not familiar with him, he is somebody you need to know and follow as he is officially rebranding. And Henry is a TV host, published author, presenter, and social enterprise activist. He's a founder and head designer of Henry Roth Bridal in New York City. He was featured on Good Morning America, Bravo, Say Yes to the Dress on E!, The View, starring in Project Runway Australia, host of Style Court on E!, live from the red carpet, 60 Minutes Australia, and also been on the Today Show in Australia. So if you are not familiar with him, you need to. He has a global reach, and he now has his awesome show called Henry and Friends Live on YouTube. 
He also is currently working on a book called Stories I um, Stories I Told My Son, which is a soon-to-be published memoir with his father, and it's capturing the stories of eternal love, deep passion, and bearing the souls between father and son. Henry, I am so excited to have you back. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Jackie, thank you so much for inviting me. I've been so excited once you invited me to do this interview, and here we are. Here we are, right? Back to square one. So tell us, like, why did you decide to change your career? Um, you have international success with your Henry Roth collection. You've been featured on Say Yes to the Dress. You've been featured on Tim Gunn Roll and Project Runway Australia. So why the change? I think that's a really great question. I think anyone that starts writing, if you've never written or you're also about to publish a book, whatever it is, in the beginning, I think you always think that you're actually changing your career. The beautiful thing about writing, Jackie, is that um, you get these insights about yourself. You get really deep insights. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. But you get not only an insight of yourself, but also you get a different perspective of the world around you. It's true for me. I had um, a lot of experience with, first of all, my Henry Roth collection. Um, and I started to realize that is my actual love language, communication. So that was and still is my love language of communication with brides. Then, of course, now doing the show with you, um, doing Good Morning America, Project Runway Australia, The View, many other shows, I realized also there's a thread and that's the communication of mass broadcasting. Then when I started writing, I started realizing, like a lot of people do, that there's a thread. Writing brings it all together. And so as a result, what I realized was that writing was communication on a very intimate level, on a very passionate level. And so in a way, yes, it's changing my career, but at the same time, it's also expanding it. And so we're at the precipice. We're just at the pointing end of the plane, if you like, of my father and I, after three and a half years of sit-down interviews, about to submit our manuscript, The Stories I Told My Son. So was that part of your aha moment of becoming a writer, like as an author? Like, what was your aha moment, like, to decide that you were going to write this book? The aha moment. I think every single writer, Jackie, whether it's, you know, a romance novelist, um, a person who writes novella, science fiction, which is one of my passions, has an aha moment. And it really sort of spurs you on from thinking you might want to write to really wanting to write. And I, I'd like to share, if you wouldn't mind, my story with, with all of you, if, that, if that's okay, because it's pretty intense, but writing is intense. So um, basically, it was the beginning of 2019. In Australia, it's boiling hot. I know you're doing Christmas, we're doing Christmas, but we just do it by the beach. And I was actually in Melbourne, where I was living, um, right in the middle of this shopping mall. It's all happening. My phone rings. It's my sister in New York saying, look, I don't have good news at all. Our father is really ill and he's in hospital. Literally four hours later, I dropped everything. I held a cab, took a flight. There he is. And you know, when you go into hospital and it's critical and you've got that beep, 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 and it's, it's, it's like a stab, you know? And you stand there and you have this deep love and deep remorse. And I begged my father to pull through and I promised myself, pull through and I'm going to relocate to Sydney and we are going to sit down. It's a yearning so many people have. If only I could, if only I would. And the next morning, he was given these blood thinners all night. He was in a bad state of affairs. 
interesting that product, that blood thinner is actually created or big uh, clinical studies was done by my brother-in-law. It's called Prodaxa and Prodaxa saved his life. So believe it or not, right? I'm there, I'm lying on the floor. I've had no sleep. I'm hearing the beep, 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 but he's doing great. And he just gets up and he points to me and he says to me, you're a traitor of all things. You're a traitor. I'm like, okay, he's back. He's back. He's definitely back. I'm like, why am I a traitor? He said, look, I brought you up to love Sydney, Australia, right? You are wearing an I love Melbourne t-shirt. Come on. I mean, that was my aha moment. And, and he granted me that opportunity, which we all have as human beings. But fortunately, I have not lived to regret all the questions I wanted to ask my father. That was my aha moment. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I never knew that. And I've known you for a long time. So that was like really special. Thank you for that. So I also didn't share the today's segment is called what it takes to be an author. So to follow up with that, tell us like, what are some of the essential qualities you need to have in order to start writing? Well, I, I love that because I think the thing is that you think, okay, I've got the dream. I've had the aha moment. I've written a few things on posts. I think I could be a great writer. Uh, what are the essential qualities? Okay. The beautiful thing is we've all got these qualities innate in us. The very first thing and the opportunity that you have when you're writing is to really dig deep into your soul. You don't need to be censored. You don't need to think, is this good or bad? You can really go there. All the things that we're not allowed to stay anymore within reason, of course, of course, can't be hate or inciting hate, but all the things that we want to bottled up, you've got that quality in you. So connect first of all, to your soul, number one. Number two, endurance. Now, I'm not trying to make any dispersions on ADHD, but I have to tell you, I mean, it's hard for us now to sit down for five minutes. I'm stimulated at the moment, so I'm completely riveted. But I think we all know we, we get up, we move around. When you start writing, you know, you do the first kind of like hour, right? And you think, okay, I'm going to have a coffee. And then you do another couple of hours and you think, God, isn't it lunch yet? You know, <laughs> and then you keep going and going and going. But what happens is, is you fall into the writing. And when you fall into the writing, honestly, I used to get up at five o'clock in the morning because I'm an early kind of person. And all of a sudden it would be eight o'clock at night. So the thing is the quality that you have, that you start with endurance, if you don't have it, you can build it. So that's the second quality. And the last one that I want to share with you, I call my incentive quality. So honestly, I've counted as about two and a half million words I've written for the last three and a half years with my dad, <laughs> Joseph. And his name is Reggie. We call him Reggie, but his name is Joseph. Anyway, two and a half million words. Now, here's the incentive quality that we all know anyone has goals. We all have goals. What do they are, right? Now, you can write and write and write. You can write you can have manuscripts, you can have all of those things, but the incentive quality that you have to have is realizing unless it gets published, who's reading it? Right. So the quality <laughs> you've got to have is, you, you know, look how you're so goal-oriented. I know we've spoken in the past and you've told me you started from your, your bedroom and you have a multimedia organization and that takes goals. And I'm sure you have the same thing because you knew with all the effort you were making, unless you get it, published, successful, you have Yahoo recognizing you as, you know, an expert, number one expert in 2021 in social media. We, you've got the same incentive. I've got the same incentive. Everybody's got, you better make it work. Got to make it work. 
No, for sure. And I think to your point, just to follow up on like, you have to have a drive too, right? Like that's a whole nother thing in itself. Mm, absolutely. And you're an inspiration because we've done marketing together. And yeah. one of the reasons I'm relaunching my brand or I'm embellishing, as I say, we're expanding is because of some of the tips you've given me and, you know, really presenting and, and really making sure that you've got great content. And here we are because you've invited me and this is great content. Such great content. I love the rebrand, by the way. I'm loving Thank it. You. That's been Thank out you. There. So how do you start writing when you've never written in your life before? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, now we're getting to the hard, pointy end of the plane. So the thing is, um, if you've never written before, it doesn't just come magically. Like all of a sudden you're a writer. You've got to pre-plan it. You've got to really strategize. You've got to really do a lot of soul searching and you've got to decide if this is what you really want. But that's like everything we have in careers. That's what everything we do. So the one thing, and I'm just giving you my step-by-step, what I did was first and foremost, I cut off. Like when you have conversations with people, when you're into TV shows, when you're going out and all that sort of stuff, it doesn't, it's not conducive for writing. Simple as that. So all my friends knew, like I just disappear. I'd evaporate. And I mean, for months and months and months, I took myself off social media I just basically created what I now famously call my writing bunker. So first and foremost, whatever works for you, you'll come to realize that it's really important to just create this world. It's your world. Are you lonely? Absolutely not. When I finished my manuscript, we're just about to go into submission, I missed all the characters, all the people I got to know intimately, writing bunker, whatever the environment is. The second thing about writing is you've got to bring in support like-minded people. People have got the same experiences. So you know what? If you hashtag right now, Jackie, or any of us watching and listening to this, hashtag writing community, get out of the kitchen because I've got to tell you something. It is extraordinary. The amount of communication, the amount, you know, you get tips from people, Twitter, Instagram, you know, whatever they're called, Flipper, whatever the other one is, all these different social media platforms are immediate. LinkedIn, so LinkedIn was one of my main sources because it's serious stuff. When you go on LinkedIn, they mean business. So first and foremost, I knew what I needed to do was once I had the bunker, once I started writing, I needed a mentor. So I approached through LinkedIn, a young lady by the name of Paris Cutler. You should look her up. She's extraordinary. And we started once a week for more than a year, maybe two years. Every week, there would be this painful Zoom meeting. And she'd kind of say, all right, this is working, that's not working. But a good mentor and a tip to everybody is if somebody starts trying to write your manuscript, they're not a good mentor. The second thing was I thought, okay, I've got it to some point. It was 155,000 words. I then contacted this celebrated author in Melbourne by the name of Bram Presser. And I read his book and it's called The Book of Dirt. I'm like, this guy's avant-garde, he's left center. I, I want to contact him. I had read the book. I told him I read the book. You've got to know your person that you're approaching. He said, I'll do it. So he read the whole thing in entirety. And then he came back and he said, I'm going to give you a pass and foul on every chapter. Pass means it's ready for submission. Foul means go back and it's not strong enough or you're missing a beat or it's too long or it's dragging or it's like sleep. You know, uh, Dr. Rachel Conn. Now she's a really famous famous author. She does a lot of theological work, which is, you know, mine is very, also very deep as well, because it's bearing of the souls. And she just finished reading it. Uh, Again, that was actually contact through my sister Lillian in New York. 
And that was the final process. The other thing is there are writing schools, seminars. A friend of mine has just finished one year and she's going into another year. So believe it or not, you're not alone. Even in your writing bunker, you're not alone. So that kind of ties into like, what are the avenues of publishing, right? Your literary, your literary work. <laughs> Can't speak. I know. Isn't it difficult to say <laughs> literally and literally? Literally. <laughs> literally and literally. It's, it's, it's not a good combination. So I'm not going to try and use it together. Okay, publishing. That's daunting. On this new profession, how am I going to get published? When you think about it, writing and publishing is probably the only profession that is completely boundary, borderless, ageless. Think about Tolkien, right? So he uh, he published Lord of the Rings when he was 40. Think about J.K. Rowling. I mean, can't get more famous than that. And she was, uh, she was what, uh, Harry Potter and all those series, right. 45. And one of my inspirations is Doris Lessing. She got the Writers Laureate Award Prize and she did novellas 88 years old. And there's ones that are older. So first and foremost, it's borderless. And I did all this research before I started because I just thought, okay, how realistic is this? Which I'm sure a lot of people would be wanting to do that research. The second thing that you have to realize is the whole publishing industry has just been blown open because of the digital age. So the good news is there are companies that will help you with what is called self-publishing. You can have companies that help you with pre-submission, manuscript editing, manuscript feedback, and the actual process of publishing. I've got an interesting anecdote to that. Very dear friend of mine who I had on as a guest, such as yourself on Henry and Friends Live. Her name is Jane Marshall. And we've been going through a concurrent experience of writing, etc. Jane is doing a massive global launch this evening. And it's basically a book. You really must look it up. It's called The Naked Truth About Breast Cancer. Totally pre-published. She's off the charts. The amount of pre-sales is out of control. So first of all, you've got it's borderless. Then you've got the fact that you can uh, self-publish. And here's the next bit of really good news because it all has to be transparent. Personally, I love the idea of, you know, well-known top publishing houses, say in the United Kingdom, or in the United States of America. So you've got, you know, places like, I don't know, Allen and Unwin, Pegasus, um, Macaulay's. And I thought, I'm just going to look into these websites. I, you know, I had to brace myself in my writer's bunker and I was thrilled. Anyone, if you go on now, Jackie, to any of those websites, they all have a standard submission form. It's there for you. They are encouraging you to submit. What does that mean? It means the following. It means that they will tell you how to upload, what format, what platforms, what they need to know about you, what marketing, um, you know, acumen you have. It's all there. So the bottom line is the publishing of your manuscript never, ever been better. All right. So Henry, who are your main influencers? Boy, do I have a hard act to follow. I'll tell you who they are. Again, every writer, everybody thinking about writing, you've all got inspiration. So besides the people that I've met through writing community, hashtag, which is on Instagram and all the platforms, is I actually come from a matriarchal family. So the actual, the stories I told my son is totally dedicated to the three women that are my 
complete and absolute inspiration. My mother, Aneta, besides being a designer, a Holocaust survivor, she's an author, of course. So she published um, an extraordinary book that's been selling out on Amazon. You need to look it up. And that's called The Right Time to Speak by Annetta Weinreich. And she actually taught my father and I the ropes, if you like, about authoring and, and publishing and all that sort of stuff. The second one is my sister Lillian Weinreich Ezekovich. If that's not a double-barreled name, there never will be. And uh, she is a really celebrated architect in New York City. I'll spill a little bit of the tea, if you don't mind. Lillian has just got a contract with a member of the royal family. She is actually oh, it's, it's out of control. It's out of control. She's she's curtsying in front of my mother. My mother loves it. She's visiting <laughs> at the moment. And, and um, we can't say because you've written, you know, she's got a non-disclosure For sure, agreement. for sure. But, you know, if that's not inspiration, and that's determination because Lillian went back to university to study architecture uh, after getting a fine arts degree and getting honours and, of course, and then on top of it, when she came to America, she had to resit the exams and here was the clangor. We had just converted in Australia from in metric to imperial, so she knew all the stuff in metric and that's a whole different measurement system. She had to come to America and learn the whole thing again. So she's doing extraordinarily well. My partner in business, Michelle Roth, is a couture designer. She's celebrated in New York City, um, brides from all around the world wear her gowns. She's been featured on Savius to the Dress. So my engine is matriarchal. And if I put one step out of action, even at my age, I'm basically chastised. But I find that everything we do in life, everything we do in life, we have mentors, we have influences, we have inspirations, and we need to thank them and acknowledge them because all too often we forget the people that helped us. And as we get successful, which is something you do, Jackie, you always acknowledge your foundations and that's critical. I like love the family acknowledgement. I have to tell you, that's so special. So thank special. You. You know, it's always nice to see when like a family bond, like really helps you grow for sure. I love that. Just wanted to touch upon that. So wait, Henry, just like a personal question, but in the family lineup, are you the middle? Are you the youngest? Are you the oldest? Okay. I've been trained to answer this question because I've had many interviews in my life <laughs> and I, I'll just say I'm a spoilt brother. I love it. Because, <laughs> you know, women are always 18 years old. You know, I, I like my, the women in my family were just they, when they listen to this interview, they'll be like, yes. No, but the truth is I'm, I'm a spoiled brother. I've always been the spoiled brother and son. And I like that position in my family. It works. I love it. Oh, my father and my mother, my sisters, yeah. I love it. So cute and so special. Okay, so now let's go back to the writing concept. So how can you afford to be a writer financially? I think it's really important to not pontificate and to really look at the reality and the practicality of becoming a writer. So when you're a full-time writer, I'll do full-time and then I'll do part-time. Full-time writer, when you think about in life generally, right? So it costs to transport yourself. You're going overseas often. You're going interstate um, across the country from coast to coast in America or anywhere in the world. You're going out. You're having drinks. You're dancing. You're having elaborate meals. Why not? You're living life, right? But you're living a different kind of life when you're a full-time author. Mm -hmm. Think about how financially viable it is 
when you take all that money and all those resources and you put it into your full-time career. So in actual fact, if you've done the budgeting, I actually met with my accountant and he said, this is how you can do it. And then I had it reviewed by another accountant and she said another way of doing it. And I combined the two, but it can absolutely be done, but you've got to be really strict about it. If you're doing it part-time, that's also possible, but you've got to have two heads, right? So you've got your professional working head, you go home, you start writing. So all the extraneous expenses of going out and all that sort of stuff, you've got to be able to say, and people are going to ask you, come out with us, let's have dinner, it's only going to be an hour. You've just got to, you know, you make friends or real good friends with the people that get it. And the people that don't get it, it's lost. But I've found with all my core friends, they get it. But being part-time, it's financially viable because you keep it two strict professions and nothing in between. That's what you do. But my other thought too is, doesn't it take longer when you do it part-time? Oh, look, it takes it takes much longer when it's part-time. The ideal is to do it full-time because the thing right. is, you can lose your momentum after a while. And also you don't want to, you know, you've done so much work already, even when you're doing it part-time, you don't want to lose that momentum. So of course, if you can financially do it, you have to do it full-time. But if you can't afford to do it full-time, it is possible to do it part-time, but you've got to be really strict. That's even hard. That's much harder. Right. Much. And just one thing I want to throw in here too, in this topic specifically. So they also now I'm learning have options to become a contributing author. And that's a cost-effective way to become an author to start out. Have you heard about this? I have. And then, you know, there are things like ghostwriters, mm-hmm. contributing editors, people that are either, you know, it's like songwriters. Sometimes people write songs and they, you know, that becomes part of the pool of famous artists or whatever. That's basically a contributing artist. They're, you know, they're not actually singing the song, but they're actually writing it and they get their credit that way. Contributing author or contributing editor is a wonderful way to enter the field. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just thought that would tie it in because that's also like a cost-effective way to get in the door at some capacity, right? It's a good point. Yeah. Um, not one that I thought about um, until right now. Good yeah. point. Yeah, just thought it would be great to like tie in. So Henry, yeah, you're great. amazing, like as always. This is such an inspiring episode with what it takes to become an author. So in terms of how people can follow you, stay in touch, like what would be your recommendations to do that and how they can get in touch? I think the easiest thing is if you just want to try and um, introduce yourself on LinkedIn, and I'm very easy, it's Henry Weinreich, W-E-I-N-R-E-I-C-H. Or you might want to pop on to my Instagram, which my father and I run, which is the stories I told my son. DM me if you've got any questions about becoming an author. Following this interview, I would be more than honored to answer your questions. Yeah, Henry's definitely got your back. This has been so inspiring. And all they really have to do is Google you and they'll find you everywhere, right? (laughs) Yes, with your assistance in marketing, that's working really well, Jackie. Thank you. Yes, for (laughs) sure. So thank you everyone so much for tuning in to Becoming Next on Scene. Follow Henry on all social media platforms and stay tuned for who's next on scene. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.